Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Faith Bible Fellowship Church. My name is Ricardo, the associate pastor here. It's so good to be gathering with you all and singing songs and worshiping God this morning. Praise that you, I pray that you were blessed with that worship this morning because I know I was. Before I get started, I just wanted to say a quick congratulations to our pastor, Pastor Wesley Bunting. He was formally recognized this week as an ordained minister within the BFC. So yes, please a round of applause. Yes. I know it's been a while. It's been a long time. He worked hard, and it was probably great to be up there with eight other men and just being recognized and being prayed for by all the other pastors within the BFC. So once again, congratulations. We're going to go ahead and get started today. We're going to continue our study in the Gospel of Mark. I know we kind of took a break from that last week. We were in the book of Revelation, and we were going to continue now in the book of Mark. This is going to be our fifth week in the Gospel of Mark. And really, the last couple times that we were in Mark, we saw Mark really starting to establish Jesus' authority here on earth. Start to see how he started to lay those foundations. It started with his temptation. And we started to see that he really, Jesus does have authority over Satan. He's able to withhold and withstand and not fall to any of the temptations that Satan threw his way. And he overcame this, as we saw, by, by himself, Jesus himself, going to the word of God and, and is now showing us that example of if we want to overcome temptation in this world, if we want to overcome sin, we must first and foremost lean on the word of God. Not our own understanding, not anything that we can do, but the word of God. And then two weeks ago, the last time we were in Mark, we see Jesus kind of lay his authority, establish his authority over sin. That he has the power, he has the authority to forgive sins. And the only way that that can happen is through the proclaiming the gospel message of repenting of your sins and believing in the gospel. Pastor West talked about how we must be confronted with that. People must be confronted, and that's very intentional language. The only way people will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior is if they hear the gospel proclaimed to them. And so we must speak. We must do that. This week, we will continue to see Jesus establish his authority here by having his authority over men. We're going to be looking at him calling his first disciples and them immediately following behind him. And you kind of, you just see his authority over those disciples. Before we get started, I'd like to just set the scene. This is going to happen in the Sea of Galilee. And really, a lot of the next couple of weeks, we're going to see Jesus, a lot of his ministry takes place around the Sea of Galilee. And so we're going to see him perform a lot of miracles and things of such around this area. So I just want to take some brief time to talk about the Sea of Galilee, not too long. It's called the Sea of Galilee, but I think it better resembles a lake. It's only about 13 miles long, depending on who you ask, six to eight miles wide. So it's, it's a big body of water. But Luke, in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, calls it Lake Gennesaret. And it's just a huge body of water that was, there was an abundance of fish. And at this time, during the time of Jesus, that was the main meat source, if you will, of the time. That's what people went to and ate. And there was an abundance of fish. There was, I think, 19 to 20 different types of fishes in the Sea of Galilee. And we see that this has becomes a thriving fishing industry. 
That this is where people go to make a living, to earn a living, to feed their families. They become fishermen and they go to the Sea Galilee and they fish this huge body of water. It was so thriving that Josephus, the historian, claims that at his time there was over 330 fishing boats in the Sea of Galilee. And this 13 mile long, 8 mile wide body of water, over 330 fishing boats. And there was a plethora of fishermen here. And I say that because that, that plays an important role in what we're going to see today and really what Jesus, why Jesus is choosing to do his ministry around this area. And so we're going to go ahead and get started with our main idea. If there's anything I want you guys to leave with today is this, that Jesus calls us to follow him, to give up everything and become his workmen. Jesus calls us to follow him to give up everything and become his workmen. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Mark writes, Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you. We come on our knees before your throne and acknowledge that you are the king over all, that you are Lord over this earth, Father. And that you have authority, that when you call men, they follow. When you call men to become your disciples, they do just that, Father. And so we pray as we spend these next several moments in your word, Father. Reveal to us, show us where we may be falling short in that call. Where we, be, where we become better, better disciples, Father. Lord, we ask that you eliminate any distractions today. May we just take these next several moments to listen to your word, to, to gather your word, to glean from it, to be confronted by it, to be convicted by it, Lord, and be encouraged by it, Father. I ask that you use me today, Father. May I decrease so that you increase, Father. Ultimately, that people see you today, not me, not anyone else up here, but you, Father. Our goal is to point people to you for you to be glorified, for you to be magnified, Father. So use me, Father. Help me to remember all that you've put in my heart, all that I've studied throughout this week, Father. Help me to speak boldly. Help me to speak clearly today, Father. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be edifying to you and to your people. We pray all this in your son's mighty and powerful name. Amen. Point number one, simple. Jesus calls us to follow him. You see this really in verse 17 when he sees... Simon and Andrew, and he says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And I want us to see a couple things. I want us to see what Jesus is calling these men to and who they are. Get a better understanding of who they are that Jesus is calling. So what is he calling them to? Jesus is calling these men to be his disciples. He says, follow me. The literal translation there is come. Come now, get behind me, follow in my footsteps. Follow in my ways. I will train you up. 
He says, I will make you become fishers, man. They're not ready yet, but Jesus said, I will get you there. He's calling them to be his disciples. And this was not the norm during this time. The leader, the rabbi, if you will, did not go around recruiting people. People go, went to the rabbi. They saw the one they wanted to sit under, to be a prodigy under, and that's who they went and saw. But Jesus kind of flips this on its head. He's going now, and he's calling men to himself. And we see that they, he does this with authority because immediately they drop everything and they follow him. What does that mean, to follow behind Jesus, to do exactly what they did? to give up everything and anything that can be standing in the way of you fulfilling that call. You are to drop that and follow behind God, follow behind Jesus. I, I see this happening when I read this in my mind, kind of in the middle of the workday, because we see, he says, he was passing along and he sees them casting a net into the sea. These guys were fishermen. And what you see is these nets, they're about 15 to 25 feet in diameter, they're pretty big nets, and it's literally, um, I picture Simon and Andrew on the shore. We, we, we're not told they're on a boat, and we can, we're told that John and James are, but they're casting this net. And the way I picture it is Jesus sees them doing it in the middle of it. You cast out the net, and then you bring it in, and the weights at the end of this net help you catch the fish. In my mind, I see them throwing the net. Jesus says, follow me. They don't even bother to reel in the net. They drop their nets and keep following him. It says they left their nets behind. That means they left everything. They left their means of living. The thing that was earning them an income, they left that behind. They dropped it. They left their property, as Albert Barnes put it. By leaving they and immediately following him, they gave every evidence of sincerity, that they were taking that cause serious. And that's to show us that we should. We should be willing to forsake all things for Jesus. You see, this is on par with what Jesus calls the disciples to do all throughout the Gospels. In Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26, he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the nature of the call. To become a disciple of Jesus, to follow him, is being willing to give up. Whatever is standing in the way, it's denying those worldly desires. It may be a relationship, it may be a job, it may be just a simple friendship that you're not edifying, that it's no longer beneficial to be in, and you're called, if you're a disciple of Jesus, to leave those behind and follow him. What are those things that we're refusing to give up? We are to have the mind of, of Paul in Philippians 3, 7 through 8, where he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Is that our mentality? Are we willing to say those words, be true of our lives? Because that's what he's calling us to do, to follow him and give up all those things that are not going to help us to fulfill that call. And we see that, that Simon and Andrew and even John and James, they do this immediately. There's no second guess. The moment they were called, they dropped everything and followed him. You see, with John... 
and James. They even left their father behind. We see this in verse 20. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. We're told they were mending their nets. They're, they're gathering their nets. They're getting their nets ready to go out and fish. They're repairing anything that needs to be repaired. They're taking any type of debris that's in there. They're getting ready to go out and fish later on. In the middle of that, they leave their father behind. They leave what one would assume is a lucrative business because they have a boat. They have enough, they're making enough money to hire servants. These men, they have it made. They're probably the next in line to run the family business. And the moment that Jesus calls out to them, they follow behind. They leave everything. They leave their father, and they fall in line behind their Lord and Savior, behind their Messiah. That is the nature of the call. We must be willing to give up anything to follow Jesus. Jesus himself says this in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. If you come to me but will not leave your family, you cannot be my follower. You must love me more than your father, more than your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters, even more than your own life. Whoever will not carry that cross that is given to them when they follow me cannot be my follower. We are called to give up it all for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and becoming his disciples. We are to give it all. They were willing, these men, they were willing to give up their livelihood. They were willing to leave behind their family. Are you willing to do the same? What is that thing that, that, that is eking at you that you know you probably should give up? That has no fruit in your life, but you just want to hold on to it a little bit longer. What are you not willing to give up to follow Jesus? The next is these men. Who does Jesus call? He calls fishermen. They were fishermen, as we see in verse 16. These weren't rabbis. These weren't people learned. They weren't people who were going to school. They weren't educated. They were fishermen. They were just ordinary men, as William Barclay puts it. And that's who he calls. He's not going looking for the ones who know the most. He's not going looking for the ones who's capable. He's going looking for the ones who's willing to do the hard work. The people that he calls is important because as Danny Aiken puts, a great movement must have the right people to get its message out. These people must embody the message for it to have a lasting impact. And so he calls the least likely. That's really the story of God all throughout the Bible is, is using those who, who we think of last, the least person, the last person we think God will use, that's who God is going to use. I say that to say you may feel like you're not adequate enough or you may not know enough, but that's not what matters. It doesn't matter who you believe you are. What matters is the God who's calling you. That's what matters. And these men, they, they knew Jesus. They knew of Jesus already. We see this in John chapter 1, verse 35 through 49, that, that Andrew, who is called a disciple of John the Baptist, and he sees John the Baptist, sees Jesus walking. He calls Jesus the Lamb of God. Here comes, here is the Lamb of God. And then Andrew follows Jesus. He sees his brother later on, says this is the Messiah, and they follow Jesus. And what we're told from that account is that they follow him for, for the rest of that day. They stay with him that night. 
And then Jesus continues to go on. And, and we see through Luke and through, and through um, Matthew that, that he starts to perform as he's coming back towards the Sea of Galilee after he spends 40 days in the wilderness. He's performing miracles. He's, he's beginning to teach. And so people are hearing about him. They, they knew who Jesus was. And so the moment that this Jesus calls out to them to follow me, they drop everything and do exactly as he says. And it's these ordinary men, these ordinary fishermen that Jesus calls to himself. It's those men he chooses to be his disciples. So whether you feel like you're adequate enough, whether you feel like you got your life together or not, that's not what matters. It's the God who is calling you that matters. These men, they weren't perfect. We know that Simon later becomes Peter, and we know what happens with Peter. He denies Jesus three times, and we know that John and James, they, they, they're more concerned about who they believe is going to be greater in the kingdom than actually concerning themselves with kingdom work. These men weren't great, and really this is the only instance in the Gospel of Mark where the disciples are shown with any type of favorable light. From here on out, they're constantly making mistakes. They're constantly doubting. But these are the men that Jesus calls to be his disciples. And he's intentional in who he calls, because we know that three of these four men, they're going to become a part of the inner circle. Those moments throughout the book of Mark, in, in Mark chapter 5, at the end, when, when Jesus goes to the garden and gets sent to me, he only allows three disciples to come with him, and it's John, James, and Peter. They become a part of that inner circle. God is intentional in who he's calling. He was intentional in calling the disciples, and God was intentional when he called you out of your sin. God does not make mistakes. He will use the lowliest people to make the biggest difference. As Paul Tripp puts it, God calls people in need of grace to be tools of transforming grace. We have to be willing to give it all up. They gave up their livelihood. What aren't you willing to give up? What is, what is holding you back in moving forward? Point number two is that Jesus calls us to be his workmen. He calls them into service. He, he says, come, follow me behind, and I will make you become fishermen. He's calling them into service to do some work. To be fishers of men, or as the Holmes Christian Standard Bible says, to fish for people. What does that mean? Jesus isn't just showing off his rapping skills. He's not just using fancy wordplay here. He has a purpose. He's saying, I'm going to call you to greater things. He says, right now you gather fish, but you come with me and you will gather men. This points a little bit back to the Old Testament. We see that there are times throughout the Old Testament, specifically in Jeremiah 16, 16, where God calls men to be fishers of men, to round men up so that they can be judged and condemned and punished for their actions, for their sins. That's kind of the picture that's going on here. But we know that Jesus is saying, you're going to go out and gather men, not to have them condemned, but to be judged, to give them hope. We know that Jesus is thinking about the kingdom here because we see that in, Matthew, in Mark 15. The time was fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. 
Jesus, thinking about the end of times, he's saying, go out and prepare, gather men and prepare them to be judged, to give them the good news, to rescue them from impending judgment that is coming of the kingdom and the person of work of Jesus, as Walter Wessel puts it. They are to go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You follow me, I will prepare you. I will get you ready to go out and make disciples, to go out and preach the word, to gather men, to save men, to rescue them from their sin. We're called, as J.C. Rowe puts it, to be fishers for souls. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that, that we're the one that saves people. I'm not saying that we're the one who, who will bring people to God and that it's up to us to save them. We know that according to 1 Corinthians 3-7 through 7, that, that God is the one who causes the growth. As For those of us who was in life group on Tuesday, we, we looked at that. That yes, there's people who are going to plant seeds. There's people who are going to water seeds. But God is ultimately the one who's going to cause that to grow. It's not us. We don't save people. God saves people. We're called to just simply open up our mouth and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we learned a couple weeks ago, that it's through that, it's through people being confronted by the gospel, hearing that they are wicked, that they are in need of a Savior, and that Savior has come, that people will be saved. We can try to have all the right actions. We can try to feed as many homeless people as we want, be the best neighbor that we can be, but it's not until we open up our mouths and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ that people will come to know the Lord as their Savior. We must be looking for opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with lost souls. That's what he's calling them to do here. That's what we're called to do, to simply share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And like I said, we means, that means that at some point we have to open up our mouths and call people to repentance, call people to believe in the gospel. And so we share it. We need to evangelize. That is why we're, we're taking six weeks to study what it means to talk with people about Jesus in our small groups because we understand that that is an essential part of the Christian life to evangelize and to share the good news that's been given to us with the world, to bring it to people. That is what it's called to be a disciple of Christ. That is the Great Commission, to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptize in the, name of the, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is what we're called to do. We're called to be fishers of men. Jesus is calling us in to service. And I say that, saying that it's not going to be easy. Jesus is intentional in using fishermen here, as Thomas Boston writes in his book, The Art of Man Fishing, that there's parallels here, that the work of fishermen is difficult. They're going out in all the elements, whether it's good weather, bad, whether they're up for it or not, whether it's going to be easy or not, fishermen are going out in the midst of that and doing their job. And we are called in the midst of life, whether we feel like it or not, whether life is going our way, we're called to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. Fishermen are methodical. They know all the hot spots of where to go fishing. And we are to be the same way with our proclamation of the gospel. We are to be praying for people. We are to be looking for avenues, for ways to share the good news with people. 
It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. But he says, I will make you become fishers of men. Jesus is the one who's, who, who is going to help us along that way. He's the one who gives us the means. We're given the Holy Spirit as a way of help. We're given the word of God as a way to better or understand the gospel and share it. The disciples, they walked with Jesus for three years. We only become fishers of men because of the God who is calling us. He doesn't send us out unprepared. He's given us the eternal Son of God. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us all that we need to accomplish this good work. And we're called to do just that. Be disciples of Jesus Christ and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you're not... If you're not doing that, why aren't you? That's what we're called to do, to proclaim, to evangelize, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with this lost world. In closing, I would like to take some time and address the non-believer in here or who may be listening. Understand this. Understand that there's significance in Jesus calling ordinary sinful people to be his disciples. As one commentary put it, Jesus calling us to discipleship is God calling human beings back to himself as the foundation of truth in dignified human existence. That God is calling us to himself. That God's response to our sin, instead of it being disgust, it's to share his son with us is to love us and understand that even if that was his response he would be justified in doing that that we are in need of a savior that every one of us have sinned and fallen short of god's glory that the god of the universe the one who created everything the one who tilted the earth right at the right axis the one who put the trees in their place the one who has us here in these seats today He is a perfect and holy God, and he cannot, he will not be in the presence of sin. And so we all, each and every one of us, deserve the wrath of God. We are all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And there's nothing that we can do to better ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to present ourselves before a holy and perfect God. God calls even our good deeds, the good things that we do, he calls them filthy rags. That even the good that you do, it's not good enough when it comes to a perfect and holy and righteous God. We've all sinned. We've all earned death. And so what is God's response to that, to our sin? It's to send his son to die on the cross, to be our, our atonement, to be our substitute, that he, while he's on the cross, our sins are being laid on Christ, and in return, his righteousness is being laid on us. And that is the only reason that we can stand before a perfect and holy and righteous God. That is the only reason that we can have peace with God, is because we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And it's only those who have come to repent of their sins and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and put their trust in him, that that is true of. And the good news is that anyone can do that. Anyone can turn from their sins and turn to God 
and repent of their sins and put their trust in the work of Jesus Christ. If you're in here and you haven't done that, please see us afterwards. Talk to us. If you have any questions on what that, that looks like, if you're not sure, if you've done that, talk to us. Seek us out after the service. We will be more than willing to spend as much time as we need to talk about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ with you. Please don't let another day go by without having that conversation, without seeking that out. For the believer, I have one question. When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? When was the last time that you proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ with someone in need of hearing it? Did God put it on your heart while you're in the grocery store and you just want to get through it to get home and say, I'm not going to do that today? When was the last time you proclaimed the gospel of someone? Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 16 says, Woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. Is that your attitude? Is that the take you have on life? That if, that if I'm not proclaiming the gospel, then I'm doing something wrong. We can come up with all the reasons why we shouldn't. But we know that that is what we're called to, to proclaim the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ with lost souls. So that's my challenge to you today. I think if, if I was to ask you guys, think of one person who you have in your family or a friend or someone you work with who's lost and who's need of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, each and every one of us in here will have a name in mind. And so pray about that person this week. Specifically, pray for that person each and every day and pray that God will give you opportunities to share the good news with them. And when that opportunity presents itself, because it will, don't cower away, but go boldly and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. It's not up to you whether they answer or not. God is the one who will cause it to grow. We just have to be faithful in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Talk to people. Invite people to church. That's not a reason to get out of it, but they will, if you invite people to church, they will come here and they will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we must be willing to be about the work, be about kingdom work and about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord. We just we thank you for sending your son to die on the cross on our behalf. That if, if it wasn't for that, we couldn't be sitting here today, Father. If it wasn't for you sending your son and, and loving your children enough to do that, we couldn't be singing these songs of praise to you, Father. We thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we've all, myself included, we've all fallen short of proclaiming the truth of your gospel to people who are in need of it, Father. We think that, that if I'm just nice to them, if, if I just accept them and not condemn them, that that's good enough. But we understand that people are only saved by hearing the gospel, Father. So give us boldness this week. 
to proclaim the gospel message. Give us boldness to seek people out and to share the good news with them, Father. Be with us the rest of this day as we dedicate this day to you, Father. May we spend more time in prayer. May we be growing today. And as you put those names on our heart, give us the boldness that we need to proclaim the truth of your son. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. And as people said, As we come to the conclusion of our service this morning, let's at this time prepare our hearts and our minds to partake in the Lord's Supper.